The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with tonight about the kingdom of God. Uh, it's been called the millennium, uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God has a couple of forms, and right now we're in what they call the uh, spiritual form, or as some people hate this word, invisible form, meaning it's, it's uh, the Holy Spirit in the believer. The kingdom of God basically is in me through the Holy Spirit. Wherever God is, He's king, Right? Wherever God is, He's king. And He rules there, right? And so that means that's His kingdom. So hopefully, if you as a born-again believer, possessing the Holy Spirit, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells, then that means that the kingdom of God in, in, a, in, a, in a sphere of my body and my life is king. He's king. I made Him king. And so I consequently go around this old dark world with a little bit of the light of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so do you. That's why we're called lights. You know? That's why we're the soul. We go around in this old dark... This is the... the this world is owned... Uh, I mean, uh, technically, he lost that at the resurrection, but the prince and power of the air, he's called the god of this world. You can look around. People, what amazes me, they blame God for all this. I say, I can't believe that God lets this go on. Well, there's something going on. There's a test going on. <clears throat> and you're under a test. And I hope you understand that whatever happens here in your life is in preparation for the next life. We born-again Christians should be always with a little, little bit of a, a faraway look. We should always go around with that celestial city in our in our sight that we're looking uh we're looking above as it says in Colossians our our focus is not all about here it's not all about now it's not all about this it's about that and what is to come and the kingdom of God in its fullness is where Jesus Christ is king and righteousness covers the world like the ocean like the waters cover the sea now obviously that's not so now amen that's not so is far, far from so, as we see with this recent uh, Supreme Court insanity, uh, where you throw over at least 6,000 years of human history, and you somehow in your super egotism believe that you five guys have figured, is, uh, maybe not all oh men, I'm not sure, all oh, the Supreme Court, but it was uh, whatever. But, but the case is that you five people 
somehow are going to have advanced. It reminds me of Star Trek a little bit where they've, they've evolved to a intellectual state where they're above that 6,000 years of history and they've redefined marriage. And any old farm boy out there would tell you that that is insane because it's not reproducible. And farmers are into reproduction because if you don't keep reproducing, you what? Die out. Die out, brother. And that's why we folks here in America need to be having babies. Because uh, uh, we don't want to die out. And if we, if we start getting like Europe, where they're not even replacing themselves. Uh, America, man. That's right, that's right, that's right. He's, he's up front here. I'm, I'm rooting for you people in the front here. Now, some of you 65-year-olds, you're going back, oh, not me. Oh, I know, I know. That's what Sarah said. We talked about the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven and the characteristics of the millennium come. There's a good born-again Christian. If you just live for Jesus and do the right thing, put him on the throne of your life like he deserves to be, we got some good things ahead of us. Oh, you say, Brother Bill, I'm in a hard time. Yes, you may be, but there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel. The millennium's coming. The rapture of the church is coming. The second coming of Christ is coming where he puts his feet on the old Mount of Olives and splits. And brother, I stayed five days on the top of the Mount of Olives in what they call the Seven Arches Motel, right on the top of the Mount of Olives. I told my wife, we'd go outside, we'd go like this. I say, this is where it's going to be, girl. I don't know if it's going to be right here or right over there, but the big, the top of the Mount of Olives isn't all that big. It's not big. So I knew it had to be close to where I was standing. I walked around on there and says, Jesus is going to put his feet, the Jesus Christ, the one who died, was buried, and resurrected, is going to put his feet on this old mountain. It's going to split north to south. There's going to be a stream come out of this thing and go to the Dead Sea. They're going to fish again in the Dead Sea. Because wherever God goes, there goes life. Boy, I was excited. I was, it didn't happen. It didn't happen while I was there, as you can tell. That was in 1993 or four, but And oh, the old... The old uh, Muslims and stuff made a cemetery between there and the East Gate, thinking somehow or another they're going to stop the King of Kings from going in the Eastern Gate. They didn't understand. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Wherever he goes, the graves break up, brother, and the dust forms bodies. And again, brother, wherever Jesus goes, there's resurrection, not death. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. Amen? So when he goes, when he comes down and puts his feet on the Mount of Olives and goes into the eastern gate and takes his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords, there ain't going to be no dead between him and there. No be dead between there. Nothing's going to stop the Son of God from coming back. It does add validity to it, though. The fact that they put a bunch of dead people between there and there, they're worried about it. And they should be. They should be. Because he's not coming back as the lion that they think he is. Or the, or the lamb that they think he is. He's not coming back as the old gentle 
son of, uh, of a lamb of God. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah at the end of the doorway here, which I want to thank Alicia for doing such a noble, wonderful painting of a lion. It is not Cecil, but it looks like him. And, and that lamb, and uh, I'm getting uh, the printing done for the lamb where it says the lamb of God. And above that it says the lion of the tribe of Judah, the two comings of Christ. Boy, it, that confused the old boys of the Old Testament. They struggled with that. They thought there may be two messiahs coming. And who would have guessed that Christ would come first as a lamb and then come back as a lion? Who would have guessed that? You couldn't have. And they didn't. And they were confused. That's why the disciples... Even in the, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, which we're going to read that. Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Let's read verse 4 through 8. <clears throat> That's why they, they discuss this whole thing about Jesus coming back. It's interesting that in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus tries to teach the disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy what? Right at the beginning of the prayer. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you asked for the kingdom to come? Do you know that's what he was teaching his disciples to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I try to pray that prayer at least once a week, but often do more. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? In earth here, as it is in heaven. Right now, that's not being done. No, no. There's sin going on, wickedness going on, and, and vile things are going on that God stands against. But He's letting, in, his, in His plan for the ages, He's letting this thing go on. But there'll be a day, He says, it's not going to go on anymore. And we're supposed to pray for the day when, that come, when, he, when that'll come, when righteousness is, is the king of all. Boy. <clears throat> I hope you pray for Christ's kingdom. In chapter 1 of verse 4, verse 4 there of Acts, he says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, who, say, who, who saith, He, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time Restore again the kingdom to Israel. The hope of Christ being the king was on their mind. And it was an earthly kingdom that they were looking at. They were looking at the promises and all the promises in the Old Testament saturated with the promises of the millennium. I have a, a, a Bible put out by a man named Jeffrey. <clears throat> and he did a tremendous job of going through and identifying every millennial promise in the entire Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and uh, has color-coded it, made it as easy as it could possibly be made for somebody reading it. I've read through that Bible from cover to cover a couple times and enjoy it. It's called the Prophecy Bible. And as far as I know, he's, he's good on everything. I didn't find anything I disagreed with the guy that I can remember, but I don't have a great memory. But I don't think I, I think he's right on target there. He says here, Will you restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in his own power. This whole thing about the blood moon, the fifth moon, and Hagee and some other people did, I think I'd be honest with you, I don't know whether those men 
are just trying to sell books. I don't know quite what's going on and all that. I'm not the judge of that, but I can tell you a date set never works out. Quit date setting. I can tell you that my time is ever ready. I may drop dead right here, and do not resuscitate me, brother. I may drop dead right here. I may drop dead right here, and if I do, do not feel sorry for Bill Lytell. He just entered into the heavenlies. Every preacher wants to die behind the pulpit. But God said, no, no, you got to be humbled some more and retire. As I said on Sunday, you go from being a somebody and a preacher and everything, you go to retire, nobody asks you, nobody calls you. <laughs> it's like an old boxer, amen? An old boxer. I see these old boxers, they should have retired. I saw the life of Muhammad Ali, alias Cassius Clay, as I knew him. And, and after he fought uh, with, a, with Foreman and beat Foreman, they said that, or no, after he beat, yeah, after he beat Foreman, George Foreman, they said that was the day, that was the fight he should have stepped down and retired. He beat George Foreman. It was the pinnacle of his fighting career. That's the one he stood to step down and retired and been in good health and not had all that other trouble. But no, no, he fought, got beat up, beat up, beat up. Just like old boxers, some old preachers, sometimes we stay at this thing where we just get beat up to a pulp. We can't talk. We start talking like, we start talking like this. We get punchy. We get punchy. Don't do it. But I like verse 8. But you should receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the underpost part of the earth. He said, the kingdom's coming. They kept saying, is it now? Is it now? I think in their mind, they wanted to see Rome and those, 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 those uh, vile dictators humbled. And who doesn't want to see justice? Who doesn't have a yearning in their heart for some justice when you see all the injustice on your left hand and the right. And they saw that in the Roman Empire so clearly demonstrated to them daily. And they wanted Jesus. You're the king. Yes, we believe you're the king. We believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now are you going to establish a kingdom? He said, it's not your time to know. Would they have even guessed that it was going to be 2,000 years down the road and not yet? Would they have even guessed it was going to be? I was just reading First, uh, Second Peter again, and la this last week, and as, and Peter, he, he, he thought, you know, those pe those men believed it was any time, it was any time, and we've lived, and Christians out through the centuries, and, as Paul did, believed that the kingdom of God can come at any time, the rapture of the church at any time, Christ can come. The trumpet shall sound, then in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive should be caught up. As, and and we'll, we'll be we'll gathered like we'll look like a cloud will be caught up and, and a tw twinkling in it of the eye, smallest amount of division of time, but not yet, not yet. The prophecies of the old have been coming to the kingdom. Daniel chapter seven said, "Under the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came, and the saints possessed the kingdom." Daniel chapter seven. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Are, is that not you folks? Are you the saints of the Most High? Are you believers in Jesus Christ? You're the saints of the Most High. 
You are the saints of the Most High. That's talking about you, folks. Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And in and, and Obadiah chapter 1, verse 21, the Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's, Jehovah's. Luke chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus, whereby I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof, this communion table that he's doing, as if tonight, until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ has been waiting to partake of that, of more bread and drink of that cup. He's been waiting till we all get raptured and resurrected together and the body of Christ is complete and he has the old great supper of the lamb there. We get together and he's going to put, he's going to gird himself up and serve us. The Bible says, wow. Wow. I've eaten some good food. I have to say. I don't think I've eaten as good a food as Brother Morris has, but I have eaten some good food. Morris has just been completely spoiled. Brother Bobby, he's he just been completely spoiled by a woman he married. No wonder he got her 15 years old. Man, you got to get him early if you want to get a good cook, I guess. But that's good. I was talking to my wife this afternoon, and I said, um, we were standing out front, and um, it was Bryn wanted to come wanted to come home with us this afternoon, and and Bryn was there, and there was a little baby. I think it may have been your baby. I don't know somebody's little baby there, and uh, I can't remember who said, but I I did. They said in five years, Bryn, look at that baby, because in five years you could have a baby. Bing 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 bing. bing. The, the the thoughts be crossed. I said, well. That's true because Kelly was 18 years old when she had Troy was holding that. So I'm going home. Kelly says, I was 19. I said, woman, no, this isn't started. I was 19. I said, no, you were 18. So we went back to our mathematics. I'm a little fuzzy on it myself, you know. And we got, finally she said, I was 18. I was 18. I said, glory, glory. Let's write that down, sign it, notarize it. And when you look at Bryn and say five years, that isn't that long. That's not very far from now, hey man. Hopefully she's married and has, has a husband. <clears throat> James chapter 2, verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Do you love him? Do you love him tonight? He said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments, right? If, if, if you're my friends, you'll do the whatsoever I, I command you, right? I mean, if you love me, people, they out there, they're doing, they're having services and they're, they're, they're singing their rock and roll music unto God and they're doing this and they're saying, oh, we love Jesus, oh, we love Jesus. But Monday morning, they're doing their own will, not His. If you love Jesus, you're seeking His will, not yours. You're not trying to do your will, but His will. And by the way, doing His will can be very uncomfortable, amen? We went door to door. Forty-four people showed up to go door to door. I can tell you it was hot, H-O-T hot. It, I thought we had a cold front come through. No, it did, but it left on Saturday because I was out there. I was soaking wet in the first ten minutes. And I mean, I was not a happy camper being soaking wet out there, going door to door in the sunny side of the street. Always take the shady side if you got any sense. But anyway... 
Now, I'm not saying, saying we're talking about Jesus, trying to tell these people they don't, a lot of them want to talk to you, but we're doing the will of God. It is the will of God to tell people about Jesus. But it's not always comfortable, not always fun. It's confrontational. But it's glorious when you see somebody say, I need, I need to know about Jesus. I need to be saved. Whether tomorrow was it your group, you, led some, you guys led somebody to Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Makes work all the times you ever went. If you, if you went door to door your whole life and only led one person to Christ, it was worth every mile of the trip. Guarantee it. Just one. What is a soul worth? Especially if you're that one. Amen? What if you're that one? I know there's lost people out there tonight wondering about life. They're wondering if it's worth it. They're wondering what the thing's all about. They're waiting for you and I to come by and say, here's what it's all about. Here's what it's all about. They're waiting for us to knock on their door, to give them a gospel track, or to see them in the store, or to stop them. This is is like Brother Moon giving his testimony to that old Catholic. My wife was raised Catholic. I've been with her door to door. Many times she'll give their testimony about being uh, broke in school for eight years and not saved. I want to tell you that the conditions... And I've talked about so far of the millennium are number one, going to be peace. Number two, going to be joy. Number three, going to be holiness. We've already discussed. And tonight, number four, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glory. Oh, that will be glory for me. I don't even like singing that song because I don't want to be glory for me, but I like the melody. Oh, that will be glory for me. It will be glory for me to see Jesus. But really, all the glory will go to him. The Bible says no flesh will glory in his presence. All the glory has to go to Christ. That's where it belongs. That's where it should go. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, the gross darkness of people. For the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings of the brightness of thy rising. The glory of the Lord is going to be manifested in the millennium, the kingdom of God when it comes. What's the definition of glory? The definition of one definition of glory could be the weighty importance and shining majesty which accompany God's presence. You got that? The weighty importance and shining majesty which accompany God's presence. The basic meaning of the Hebrew word is heavy in weight. Give God the glory means to weigh Him in the importance He is in your life. When you do that, you give Him glory. When you put Him first in your life. Jesus, John, uh, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first what? Yeah, the kingdom of God is righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. That's what we're doing by this series on the kingdom. We're reminding ourselves that this thing is about seeking God's kingdom. This is spreading the news of the coming kingdom. Thy kingdom come. To give glory is to praise, to recognize the importance of another. The weight the other carries in the community. Do you see why we dress up for Jesus? Because I, when I come to church in the, in the name of Jesus Christ and in the specific purpose to worship Him in spirit and in truth in a service and to hear the preaching of the Bible, which is a, the, 
It's God's way of getting the word out by the foolishness of preaching. I dress up in honor of whom I'm with, who I'm with. Now, if you dress up and you're a hypocrite, you're dishonoring him. He would rather have you be honest of heart and pure of soul and maybe not dressed up so good as he would have you all dressed up and be a hypocrite. God's not looking for that. He's looking for both. Amen? Looking for both. We dress up for Jesus because we want to honor him and want to give him the praise. We come into his house. Why should we give our best to the Master? For His glory. Give of your best to the Master. The kingdom of God, we treat God with due respect and we give Him the weighted glory He deserves. Praise the Lord. Because you know what? This world isn't that way. John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you that ye might... Have peace in the world, you shall have tribulation. But in the kingdom of God, glory. No wonder we pray for the glo- we pray for the kingdom to come, because that's where the glory of God is going to be made manifest and dominant. Glory. Here, tribulation. Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Of God. Do not be surprised if things go bad this side of the kingdom. Do not be surprised when things are tough this side of the kingdom. Do not be surprised if you're tested hardly this side of the kingdom. For the trouble and the tribulation and the trials, it's this side of the kingdom, brother, by the grace of God. But someday, on that side of the kingdom and the coming of Christ, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. We are going to be given positions as he deems fit for us to serve him. First Thessalonians 3, 4 says, Verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it has come to pass, and you know. When I sometimes contemplate and meditate on the sufferings of Paul the Apostle, or the sufferings on Peter, or the sufferings of those early uh, people that believed in Jesus, my heart sinks. And I say, God, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy of the peace that I've been given in in the time that I've been saved. I'm unworthy of the lack of tribulation and lack of suffering that I have enjoyed in being born in America in a place that was friendly towards Christianity, and I said was friendly towards Christianity, but in a measure still is friendly towards Christianity. But boy, nothing like these first two, three centuries of Christians under when they when they came under this dramatic, especially the Anabaptists and things, came under such dramatic persecution. And through the dark ages, as as people that believe the Bible were under such horrible and you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you see some of the things that people suffered for Jesus, and I'm a saint, and they're a saint, and I think, Lord, I'm unworthy to be even called the child of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For our light affliction. Who's talking? Paul? (laughs) 
Paul, if what you went through was light affliction, what am I going through? He called me, he said, son, you're just a sissy. I mean, Paul, if what you went through, you call that a light affliction, and if what these people that you're preaching to and wrote the epistles about are doing light affliction, what are we doing? But, it's, but, but he said, no matter what it is, which is but for a moment, work it for us, I like this, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I believe that word is a weight too heavy to bear. There's two words for weight, a weight you should bear and expected to bear, and a weight too heavy to bear. I believe that's the word that says a weight too heavy to bear. The weight of glory that's coming for us is going to humble you to where it, you, I believe you at the judgment seat of Christ, when God bestows upon you his, his love and gifts, it's going to be too heavy for you to bear. You're just going to collapse under the whole thing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Too heavy to bear. The weight of glory that Jesus Christ wants to bestow for those that love him. Uh, we will have glory. There will be glory. The glory, of course, will be to Christ because that's where it's supposed to go. The weight will be right. The honor will be right. We'll be seeking first the way we should have always done it if we didn't do it here. And the wrong will be made right and the crooked paths will be made straight as we've talked about. And there will be as if I, as my list here, and by the way, I have some 20 specific things that are going to happen in this kingdom of God. There'll be peace, there'll be joy, there'll be holiness, and there'll be glory. There will be glory. Folks, hang on. Hang tough. Stay true. Don't let, the, don't let the crazinesses that are going around us or that may come, don't let them shake you off your foundation. For just around the corner is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope He can say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Father, help us tonight to understand somewhat better the kingdom of of God that is coming, the millennium that is coming. Father, we pray that as children of God, we may be encouraged, may be faithful, may, may be, may be uh, relying and praying and seeking your face like you say. And Father, may that be real out of our heart. May it not be a form of religion. May it not be, as our brother mentioned, a loyalty to an institution, but to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there be one in this room that's been struggling with the world, they got kind of one foot in the world, one foot in the things of God, the kingdom of God. Nobody survives well that way. Nobody with God survives that's not wholehearted. Jesus was not half-hearted. He was wholehearted. And he expects his followers and those who believe in him to be wholehearted. May, Lord God, there not be one in this room that say, Yes, Lord, I'm a, you have everything I am. All that I am all that I ever hope to be, all the assets I possess, all the, all the uh, influence that I have been given, I give to Thee, O God. May, Father, You help us. Encourage us in the way. In Jesus' name.
again.